Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting once again in Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, man. How are things with you? Oh, you know, I uh, had a relatively quiet week, did a few gigs with uh, Loose Cattle and Loose the, Cattle. the Maple Leaf and uh, went and up to... And what kind of music is Loose uh, Cattle? They play like uh, Americana music. Uh, it's like three singers, uh, uh, guitar, so it's like the fiddle. Bee Gees, three no, singers like the no, Bee No, it's more country th- uh, than that, kind of, uh, so you know... So it's like... America, uh, yeah, yeah, the, like uh, the, folk oh, country. The, uh, the, uh, the Winona Sisters, what is those? No, I don't know who I would, just, who I would really compare them to exactly, but... Uh, you know, it's a singer-songwriter, but uh, with a bunch of singers and uh, pretty rockin' band. Anyway, so we played, uh, it's with Michael Cerverus, our, our uh, former guest, you know, he's the singer and there. And yes, Kimberly I remember Kay. him. Yes, he yes. He is the engineer. Uh, no, no, he's a Broadway actor. Oh, um, all right. Anyway, so played the Maple Leaf with them and then went to uh, uh, Lafayette, played a gig, then came back and I'm preparing for uh, a tour leaving tomorrow with the Iguana. It's going to be up there for two weeks and uh, have to, and look, I, you saw the thousand year floods they had in uh, uh, like upstate New York and, yeah. and Connecticut yeah. and Vermont and all, so I got to drive right by there starting tomorrow. I got to, oh. I mean, I'm not going to get there until the the day after or the day after that, but I, that's ultimately I'm starting off so in the, Portland, Maine. Okay, so the Iguanas, don't, you guys, who named that band? Um, I think uh, uh, our guitar player Rod and was on a vacation somewhere, and they they already were forming the band and trying. But did to, you know that was Iggy Pop's first band? Well, the I, I, I did, but he didn't know that. He didn't. He, know he, that. he didn't know that. And and uh, you know, actually, uh, when the Iguanas went to trademark the name, it was completely available because uh, uh, Iggy Pop hadn't been. You know that. Well, Iggy was just the drummer of that band. And I'm saying, but that band didn't exist beyond whenever, 1964 or something, you know. But do you guys ever get confused? Do the fans ever get confused? No, no, no. No? No, no. Occasionally, you know, if you do a search, uh, it might come up with uh, a picture of Iggy, but generally... Because I did a search about a week ago, and that was the first thing that came up. Okay. Was an album cover. It was a Google image Right, right, right. Yes, I've seen that. You ever do Google image? image? Oh, yeah. You do? I like to do it for porn. (laughs) On Google? Yeah. Yeah, I just Google image like, you know, fist fucking. Huh, really? Or, you know, Google image, you know, petite this. Does you know. Google have a lot of, uh, they come up with a lot of stuff? I don't know. I'm blocked most of the time. <laughs> so I really don't know. So but what's going on in, uh, in Manny Chevrolet world? Uh, not much. Just, uh, you know, uh, I heard that uh, one of the Manson people got released Yeah, today. yeah. Shout out to uh, Leslie Van Houten. Yeah. Man. Uh, She's fine. a good kid. Yeah, you know, it's, it seemed you like she had paid her, her debt to society, you know. Well, uh, I don't think so. No, I think okay. A lot of people are very upset. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, she'll. She's probably better off still in prison because hmm. I think she'll. Unless she's going to some kind of secure halfway house, there's going to be people out there going to try to whack her. Uh, I don't know. You know, uh, I'm not sure. So sure. I mean, Squeaky Fromm is still out there. Uh, loose, yeah, well, she you know? was never convicted of the Manson yeah, stuff. Yeah, she's got a lot of people that don't like her though. You know. Well, what the Ford family? Uh, yeah, you I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. 
anyway, uh, she's you know I you know I was looking back at some pictures of her when she you know when she was on trial. She was kind of hot, Leslie Van Houten. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, kind of uh, wholesome looking for a, yeah. a Manson family. I googled member. image that too. Okay, you know, and she was kind of a good looking nineteen year old. Well, she's only seventy two now, so yeah. she's still got a few good years yeah. on, on, the, on well, it. You know, I don't know where she's gonna go. I don't know what she's gonna do. You know, uh, but uh, it is what it is, and she'll, I guess she'll be all right. You know, maybe she'll have a sex change operation, so hmm. someone will, nobody will notice her. Huh, yeah. She can start dating Bruce Jenner. There you go. <laughs> if, she, if she has a sex change. Yeah. Or, or either, either way, do actually, you think, Do you ever think that, you know, like a guy who wants to be a woman... You know, and he, and he goes through the whole thing to get a sex change operation. And now I think it's so, you know, it's like with all the LGBTQ Wi-Fi community and stuff like that, that it's probably normal that a lot of these people would rather, you know, be the different sex so they want to get sex changes and all that. I don't know. I don't know the community. I know they're a good community. I really don't know. But uh, do you ever think there's like someone, uh, a guy who, uh, you know, becomes a woman and, then maybe three, six months later, he goes back to the doctor or surgeon and says, Hey, uh, you think I can get my dick back? <laughs> He's still got it, maybe hanging out somewhere. Well, buyer's remorse. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah exactly. But that's buyers. the thing is that Bruce still has his penis. Yeah, well, I'm Does not he? talking See, about he it. Does yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and I don't buy, unless you take your penis off. Yeah. You you're you think yeah. it doesn't count? Doesn't count. Yeah, okay. you're still a you're still a dude. Want, uh, that's commitment. He's just got a set of tits. Right. That's all it but is. But do you okay. know how many people back in the day, uh, when pe everybody was getting nose jobs, right? People would go out and commit suicide because they realize, oh, they really don't like me. <laughs> Keep that close to your mouth. It wasn't the, it wasn't the nose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. It, it literally happened. They had well, psychiatrists coming out and yeah, saying that they had to get my nose back. Who they who, who they know. set up a nose job, they got right. the nose job and then they realized, oh that's not that wasn't the problem. <laughs> that wasn't the problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well yeah. you know, you know it's guys. gotta leave you really uh kind of kind of empty feeling when you think this is gonna be this big solution, it right. turns out not to be. Well, yeah, you know. Right. I'm sorry, I cut you off, man. Uh, no, uh, uh, no, I'm just going back to the oh, whole okay. dick thing, you know, uh, getting your dick back. And I don't think they keep the dicks. No, no, no. It's uh, going to keep it on ice. That's not, not going to last. That's yeah. a very perishable item, I would imagine. Yeah, so, I mean, so there's a lot of regret out there. Uh, but, yeah. but, at the, uh. but at the same time, to logically take that to its conclusion, do women who become men have penises? I think that's that's uh, even more. Un that's where your penises even, would go. Yeah, I don't yeah, think they, I guess I they the, just trade. I don't them, think yeah. they can do. I don't think it's like well, a, that, like well, uh, Legos, you know. Well, that's <laughs> that's can. probably why that when they get into that when you get into that issue that they don't really br you notice that they don't really bring that up. No, no, most they don't people talk don't talk about that. Well, yeah, because they don't. <laughs> it has finish, come up, but they don't, they don't want to finish the conversation. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, who knows? Everybody yeah. gets to do what they want. That's the thing. That's the thing right. these days. Uh, I don't know. Until they don't. It's, it's, it's yeah. Until until we don't. That's that's <laughs> very until right. they don't. Very good point. Yeah, and well, no one can no one can uh, slight them because uh -huh. it's it's on uh, PC, you right, know, right, right. to smite them or slight them in any way because yeah. oh wow, for uh, oh god, we can't we can't make fun of the the chick who wanted to be a man, you know, or the guy who wanted to be a girl, 
you know, and all no, that kind of stuff. No. Well, you, know. you know, but they're all registered voters to, in my book. There you so, go. Uh, there you go. I'll can you vote out. twice? Yeah. Uh. Well, maybe they can because they're two different. They, they have, were they were this well, person at one time, saying. and now they're this person at this time. Uh, you know, I guess they could. Uh, uh, not, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know, but that's a good Found point a you bring up. Okay. You bring up a very right. good point. Right. Two IDs when they show yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. You know, well, so both sides of that's the what I was thinking about okay. for the last like six weeks. All right, it's been on well, my uh, mind. Well, um, go ahead. No, no. Go oh, ahead. Okay, I was going to say. Well, you know, from time to time, we have updates on uh, on the stalker file. You know. It's, oh yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. If if I don't mention her on the show, people think the stalker is gone. Well, she's she's still quite active. I just don't mention her all the time. Who is? Um, so uh, for for those of our uh, listeners that don't know, and for our guest here, you know, I have this this. Uh, woman who grew up down the street from me when I was a little kid uh, hadn't seen her except for one time when she came to an iguanas gig and spoke to her on the break and then she was totally fine normal pleasant left how long ago was that that That's was for... probably about 10 years ago okay then maybe like four years after that I started getting all these uh, emails to the iguanas uh, email maybe address. they were meant for Iggy pop oh they're all you. addressed to me Okay. Um, but uh, but uh, and so she's sent since then thousands of emails. Sometimes she's sent ten or twenty in a day. Sometimes like thirty seconds apart. You know, Four. So, sometimes they're all the same. Sometimes right. they're all different. And then she's the she the, wants her penis back. The newest thing is is she's uh, I, I discovered that she's has on a lot of these she's included voicemail messages. And then sometimes it's only a voicemail message. So I've. Uh, I get too many of them to even listen to all of them, but I'll here. Here's one. This is a. Uh, I'll play this for the for the troubled nation here. See uh, see what y'all think. All right. So apparently you wanted another recording, saying I have never met Mike Strahan. I've never met Mike Strahan. I've never met Mike Strahan. I've never met John Taylor. I've never met John Taylor. I've never met John Taylor. I've never met Gary Owens. I've never met Gary Owens. I've never met Gary Owens. Excuse me. I'm supposed to say I've never met Wesley. I've never met Wesley. I've never met Wesley. I. Mike Strand is never in a case to domestic abuse. Mike Strand is never in a case to domestic abuse. Mike Strand. And, and they go on and on like that. Who's Mike Strand? <laughs> Mike Strahan. Michael Strahan is uh, uh, he's a former foot, uh, football, uh, football player. player. He's on uh, now the host of uh, so $100,000 uh, Pyramid. Well, I didn't do anything more to her than Michael Strahan did, which is nothing. <laughs> but uh, it didn't Why stop her from... Why don't we just get her on the show, Well, man. you know, it's uh, we, we always talk about that, but um, I'm I'm... Hesitant to uh, to to uh, engage anymore. We'll you know? do it, you know, from the safe house. Huh? We'll just okay. do it that way. That, that seems like that still might be encouraging her for because I've I've never returned fire. I've never responded but to any of these. What is the issue exactly? Well, it's yeah. she she has these delusions where she thinks uh, Michael Strahan and I are in cahoots. And uh, Scientology is sometimes involved. Uh, other people who's, who I don't know who they are, they're involved. And we, we, do, we get neighbors of hers to yell things through the walls at her. We get uh, people on the street to come in and tell her things. Uh, so you are working on her. <laughs> well, right. no, no, I'm not actually <laughs> that's doing this. That's called baiting. I'm yeah. not actually right. doing this. No, she thinks that we're doing all this. She thinks that you're not, yeah. and you're not. I'm not, no, okay. no. 
no, no. She these, she's under this these delusions that we're doing okay. all this. Michael all Strahan, right. I'm sure, doesn't know right. who she is at all. And right. and but she's or could, could be somebody claiming to be Michael Strahan. Yeah, I, th okay, I think this know? is all just uh, uh, this is I a crazy could, person. I could be Michael Strahan. Well, yeah, that, and that's, you would know it. Uh, okay, all right, Nikki. Well, you're you're really uh, <laughs> really pushing me on this, but uh, yeah, no, she's anyway. She's still out yeah. there. So uh, okay. lest anybody thinks she's she's fallen off. Right. Well, uh, should we uh, should we get our guest in here? No, no, uh, yeah, no. I have a okay. lot of things. Oh, oh, to talk that's why. Oh, all right, yeah, all right, come okay. on, man. Sorry, I thought you were yeah. done. No, uh, moving on. Um, he's got a menu. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we got the notebooks. Um. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. You know, I was thinking about, you know, you get older and you start thinking about uh, highlights in your life, big things that happened in your life. And and I don't know, you know, you, you could name three highlights in your life that something you'll never forget. You know, maybe it's, you know, uh, the birth of your first child or whatever, mm -hmm. or uh, the death of your mother-in-law, you know, <laughs> things like that. Uh, so I was thinking about that stuff, and I came down to three, uh -huh. three really big highlights in my life. Um, and the first one, of course, is, you know, my wife and child having that together, because I never thought that would happen in my life. Never thought that would happen at all, you know, and that's, a, that's probably number one. And then, uh, what would be your number one, Nikki, you think? Oh. This show tonight would be your number one. <laughs> there you go. One. There you go. Okay. Is that it? <laughs> My life is finally. Yeah, it's it's your, it's it's your, your arriving. Yeah. The cream is finally rising yeah. after all yeah. these years. And then the I, I think I was rising. thinking like another big highlight in my life was actually becoming. Uh, friends with one of my idols, uh, Joe Strummer from The Clash. There you go. Actually, I you know idolized him. I just thought he was the best. And then I got to be friends with him. Uh -huh. You know, I, we met and we were friends and we had dinners together and drinks together and we partied together. Uh -huh. And that was a great highlight, you know. And then I was thinking, well, what would be the third one? You know, if you a top three, if you could have a top three. And I th think the third one is, for me, would be that I was actually, for during the 80s, I was Ron Jeremy's uh, uh, stand-in. Uh, okay. I was his stand-in. All right. For lighting purposes and right. stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it was a great gig. Yeah. It was a really good gig. How's he doing these days? Oh, he's going to jail. He's, I know. Yeah, he's, yeah, I don't know. You know. But you, at that you time... You don't want to be a stand-in now, though. No, 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 no. Okay. At that time, it was like, you know, you have all the yeah. puff chicks there that are on set, you know, keeping everyone the hard. Fluffers. The fluffers. fluffers, right. yeah, sure, and all keeping sure. everyone hard. And, you know, Ron would be late. So I would I would stand in and we 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 rehearse scenes. Okay. You know, and because uh, they needed an exact. He could never come on time. Well, you know, well, yeah, never exactly. <laughs> it was always late, but yeah. some chicks like that. Come on, uh, come know. on. <laughs> so those are the top three, uh, really. All right. Okay. You know, and you know I, I remember many years ago I was working with Richard Hell up in New York. Yeah. And he told me a story about the when he got to New York and he was broke and. He didn't have a gig yet, and he got a, he got a gig on a porn shoot. Oh yeah! <laughs> and this poor guy, he gets this big old woman, gets on top of him, and she says right before he got before the director yelled, "Roll him!" She goes, "You put your tongue in my mouth, and I'm gonna bite your dick off." 
<laughs> and he goes, okay, roll it. <laughs> well, I remember. You know, never forget. <laughs> yeah, I worked on a porno. Get you in the sex mood right away. Right, right, right. <laughs> I remember I, back in the early 80s, I was working for the studio system, and a buddy of mine who I used to work on some shows, we would uh, freelance, and he used to freelance on porno movies. Uh-huh. And fucking 8 o'clock or 10 o'clock in the morning, he calls me and goes, I need a boom operator. I need someone to hold the boom. I go, yeah, I'll do it. He goes, it pays really well, okay? So I did it. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a music video or you know something like that. It was a porno flick. And it's the most amazing thing. Because usually when you, you're watching porn, you know, you're watching porn. But I'm having headphones like you have on, and I'm holding this boom mic. And, you're making porn. And I'm no, well, yeah, well, I'm listening to porn. Uh-huh. And you're being fluffed at the same time. <laughs> yeah, That's what you like most because they all remember me being <laughs> right. Ron Jeremy standing. Uh-huh. Right, right. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know? But to listen, not see what's going on, and to be listening to the porn uh-huh. is a totally different experience, man. Uh, Do you know? find that uh, arousing? I had a Woody there for okay. a while. Yeah, I would imagine. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a nice Woody there. And uh, the fluffers would come by. Okay. But anyway, uh, that's all good times. Those are my three highlights. All right, very nice. You know, and I, I think you know maybe you should tell us about your three highlights one day. One day, yeah, yeah. yeah. One one day, I'll think yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. But you can tell us yours, right? Now. Well, my, mine are mostly mostly musical. Yeah. In the sense of you know, Grand Days was getting to New York and playing my own music with my own band. You know, that was the first time somebody actually came up to me and said, you finally shut up, man. <laughs> well, because I've been trying to do that for 15 years. Right. To go to New York, play in two, two of the top clubs in New York with my own music mm-hmm. and band. It's like, you know, and all I know... And that was Woody's and, club? No, no, no. That was actually... The, I, I, I'm one of the few people, with, which we did with David and Cranston, we played, we played uh, 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 Max's Kansas, Kansas City... City. Which six became months, Woody's. Six weeks, six weeks before they closed. Okay. And we also played uh, uh, CBGB's with Waka Waka six weeks before they closed. Oh, okay. Well, Max's became Woody's. Woody, uh, Woody, um, Ron Wood from the Stones bought Max's. Oh, okay. Oh, he did? Yeah. He oh, I, I never knew that. Yeah, he bought it. He doesn't own it. He sold it since. But uh-huh. Ronnie Wood bought uh, uh, the Max's Kansas City and called it Woody's. And I played oh, Woody's. Oh, okay. I played Woody's. That was a good venue, you know. Do you remember when Woody Herman had his band? Oh, sure. In town down at the Hyatt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the greatest experience. That That, that literally got me the... The, the 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 element of that was the one band that big band I'd never seen. I seen yep. Count Basie, seen Stan Kenton, seen Duke Ellington, and never saw Woody Herman until he moved into that place. Okay, I'd actually seen Woody. My father had taken me to see him sometime. The band was coming through town. They played like a, uh, a high school auditorium or something. We in went New and saw him in New Orleans. Yeah, oh yeah, wow! Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, then the band moved here. Man, what a what a tremendous. Bunch of young musicians right. he had and coming. Frank Tiberius, I right. think, was was still on the band. I he, saw and Lawrence nice well. club too. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. was a beautiful club that they gave him too. Remember right, that? The Hyatt. High ceilings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice tables, the whole nine yards. The Hyatt great. or the Hilton? I can't remember which. That one was the Hyatt. The Hyatt. Okay, right, right, man. I saw Lawrence Welk live. Oh, uh, okay. That's that was a great depressing, game. but okay. <laughs> no, it was a great game. <laughs> 
One of the few gigs I ever liked, to tell you the truth. All right. Them and Bag of Donuts. Bag of Donuts. Lawrence Welk. Is that his favorite band? Yeah, yes. Bag of Donuts The only New Orleans band I'll pay to see. All right. There you go. It's everyone else, you know, whatever. All right. Let's introduce this guy. Sounds good. Sounds good. I'm sounding like some guy from the Top Cat. Right. In a garbage can going, hey, 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 hey. All right, well, this is a guy I've, hey, uh, I've known <laughs> my, my, really my, my whole life since, since I'm a, a, a pre-teenager. Yes, it's he's, true. He's, uh, he he's, raped you. He's been on the scene, not so far. Uh, so far, so good. He's been on the scene forever. He's a terrific musician, tenor saxophone player, drummer, keyboard player, composer, producer, instigator, a linchpin, founding member of uh, bands like Sex Dog, The Rockabies. Blue Vipers, I believe you played yeah, Blue Vipers a little bit. You uh, might piss Jay off with that. Stanley yeah. and Stanley and the Undesirables, a band go. I first played in with That's him. Right. Uh, his, had his own band, Blood and Grits. Also, uh, met, founding member of Waka Waka. Played with Richard Hell. On and on and on. Uh, we're going to get into all that, but without further ado, the great Mister Nicky Sonsenbach. Welcome, Nicky. How do you do? All right, man. <laughs> we're ready for it now. Yeah, man. So, so Nicky, we're sitting in in uh, Snake and Jay's Christmas Club. Line. You know, this is a neighborhood you kind of come from. I mean, I, y'all are from the other side of Carrollton, but still very close. I right. imagine that, uh, you know, Dave Clements being an owner here, I imagine you've known the Clements brothers since you were a child yourself. Oh, yeah. Long-haired rough, roughnecks. Right. We were in the neighborhood around here. And stuff. Right. So, and, so, and Snake and Jake, you could always go by and at least throw some dice before you went to school down here. Really? So you remember always, this place being open at that oh, time? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, this place has been here for forever and it was you know crap games going on all the time on the street up and down so here. So you've known them since you were kids right? Yeah. The Clemens. So they were as annoying then as they are now? <laughs> and even better. Yeah. Those guys are one <laughs> of the most annoying people They were more fine tuned back and they, and they worked better together. <laughs> yeah. have, you, have you ever got them together on this air? Uh, no, never on the podcast. That, never that had has them a whole together. other you no, know, we, we you fear that. We don't want them in that. a certain kind of way. Alright, Nicky once again is, is putting together he's, he's an instigator I'm telling you man this is we're going to get in all they have they have the un you know unending stories to tell oh, you know, God, I, know I know half of them anyway right, but, you, see, you, know? you have the, those producer instincts you know <laughs> as you look back and go well you should do this well, well you I, know the one thing that you might be able to pull off being in the music business and i've been i've been pushing this idea for years is that why doesn't why hasn't anybody gotten aaron neville and johnny mathis to make a record together Oh, the God. two greatest vibratos and oh, pop singing. To who? Okay. <laughs> and, and it would sell a million copies. Interesting interesting concept there. A million copies. Because uh, maybe Aaron uh, is not gay like Johnny. Well, I don't think Johnny's gay. Oh, yeah, he's gay. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. But that would be, to me, one He's of the worst albums dead. ever. <laughs> yeah, I always thought he was just sweet, you know, that he, I thought he actually was married to women. Whatever. Who, uh, he's had a lovely voice. You know, uh, he, he qualified for the, uh, as like an Olympic uh, uh, broad jumper, I think. Seriously? Johnny Mathis. Yeah. Oh, yeah, did, yeah. And turned it down because he had a recording contract. Uh-huh. So he did not go and compete in the Olympics. Because he wanted no, to I, jump I, guys I've said, instead but of I've broads. said that okay, for years to a lot of different people, and they go, you know, that's a great idea. And it's something that would make money you know that would johnny mathis he still sells records yeah i suppose he does he's alive yeah Uh, really he's doing really well he didn't get aids or anything like that no no he tested (laughs) 
All right. Well, <laughs> well so uh, so let's get back to so okay. so so you're you. What school did you go to here in the neighborhood? I did the tri, the try the trifecta in Uptown New Orleans, which was which was Audubon. I actually went to Audubon. Lusher, oh. McMain, and Forche. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought you were yeah. going to say Audubon, Lusher, then prison. Right. No. no. Almost. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> right between those two. I, there was, there was a two, one or two summers of, of, uh, of teenage Oh, I bet. Angst, yeah, sure. Put it that way. So so you're living here at that time with your family? Uh, well, uh, the thing is, we, I, we, 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 my father got uh, $3,000 from the University of New Mexico to come to come to. New Orleans and get a, a social worker degree. Okay. So he could go back to New Mexico and work with a Native American, the Navajo and the Hopi Natives as a teacher. Mm -hmm. He was teaching people out there. Uh huh. We got here. He said, "No, we're not going anywhere." Yeah, he, we're, he we're found here. He, right, he found home. And, uh, I thought uh, you were going to say he went back and brought them the Hunter virus. No, no. From New Orleans. But 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 at the same time, when he comes to the, the this brings in the whole music thing. The first thing that my father did was go to Ellis Marcellus's club, go to every black jazz club in New Orleans, which he had, to, when my father would go out at night, he'd leave a, a, the number for our lawyer with the babysitter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Because they were still raiding black clubs every once in a while. Now, if you were black and you went into a white club, the cops would show up immediately. Yeah. If you were white and you went into a black club, it was 50-50. Uh-huh. You know, they didn't always call the p cops on you. Right. But he was, and, and plus that fact, he was bringing all these cats home because my father had this record collection with records that none of these cats had because people t also tend to forget that back in those days, white musicians were sold in white record stores and black musicians were, jazz musicians were in black music stores. Okay. Most people don't realize that. Right, right. It's so segregated you, right, record so, stores. So right. So when you had certain records in New Orleans, it was because you couldn't have gone, you couldn't go into those stores. Hmm, okay. You see, and that all that all sort of changed around '65 and that sort of thing. But that was a whole time. And plus the fact that my father had so many black musicians come. That was another thing that my neighbors back in the day were sort of, what's this guy doing, bringing in these musicians right, in his house? Right. And uh, but my father was doing this, and then after two years, he got his master's in social work. We stayed here in New Orleans. He started working in Desire Housing Project as a community organizer. My mother got a job teaching French, who's also she because she is French, mm -hmm. and she got she actually got a, po a political science degree, sitting in the Louvre in the Sorbonne with Nazi soldiers. Oh wow! When I went to go see uh, um, the not the longest day, but the uh, 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 finding uh, the you know the the Spielberg movie about finding Schindler's List. Not Schindler's no, no, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Ryan. Oh, okay, Saving yeah. Private Ryan. What and I was sitting there. I was sitting was. there with Howard Scott from War and my mother, and we're watching that first twenty minutes in the movie. Right. And my mother t turns to me and she whispers in my ear and said, "I just wanted to tell you that I was sitting in a classroom with seventeen Nazi soldiers." Waiting to get my master's degree in social work and and so and, and political science in the forties. Yeah, in the forties. Yeah. Oh, holy cow! Where yeah. here in New Orleans? No, no in, in, Paris. in Paris. Oh, in Paris. And because my grandfa my grandpa was working with the resistance at the time, and and that the fact and she had never ever told me this story about the fact until I'm sitting and watching this movie, wow. and she because my grandpa was in the resistance. 
he knew something was going to happen, but didn't couldn't tell her what. But she knew, sitting in that room with 15 Nazis and soldiers, who also, because everybody wanted their degree from the Sorbonne. It was the so most Nazis prestige. wanted a social work degree? No, no, no. The, 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 the Sorbonne is, was, is, still is one of the most prestigious colleges on the planet. Right, okay? right, right. Because they make those good desserts, right. right? No matter how good Germany was and all their stuff, these guys came way to, to get all the way to France right. to get their, right. their political oh. science degree. And, and, and then she, she ended up getting a job with the UN once the war was over because my grandpa got her a job because he knew generals. Okay. Got her as, a, as an interpreter at the UN. Wow, crazy, and, it, I, and I never put it in my head that that was actually the beginning of the UN. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't yeah. exist before World War II. Right, you know, no, remember yeah. that. No, and I so that. she was an interpreter, and I began to think about, you know, you think you know your mother, she's telling you these stories and stuff, and and, and next thing is she worked for the State Department and all this stuff, but when we moved to New Orleans, she got a job teaching at Tulane, and my father was said, we're, we're staying here. You saw the, 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 the whole integration issue that was at play right, in New civil Orleans. Civil rights struggle. The civil rights struggle was going on. Yeah. And the federal government hired him to work in the, in the social, in, uh, in Desire Housing Project okay. in That's the Lower That's so nine. funny. You say you think you know your parents, you think you know your mother. Because right. you know. I remember when uh, uh, my mother was on her deathbed, and I was, uh, 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 I was, I was in the midst of junkiedom. I was a junkie. Oh wow! And uh, my mom's on her deathbed. I go see her, and she's all, you know, she's getting ready to die. And the last words she said to me were, "I really like this morphine." Did, but had she done morphine before? I don't think so. Okay. But now she knew. Uh huh. She'd been missing it all those yeah. years. Right, yeah. right. 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 Yeah. Well, uh, so back to you, Nikki. Okay, um, all right. uh, uh, and I want to talk about, you, you know, so these formative years here in New Orleans, you're in the neighborhood here. Right. You were saying that Mazakowski lived down the street from you. Right. Uh, Who? Uh, Steve Mazakowski. Who's that? Uh, he's right. a great jazz guitar player here in uh, town, okay. uh, educator. Uh, you see, a, another, and Ramsey McLean lived around the corner from okay, me. Okay, so And a, Paul Crawford who was okay. the only white trombone player in New Orleans that had basically gotten blackballed from gigs in New Orleans because he, he was the only white man allowed to play with the Onward Brass Band. Okay. He did all those jazz funerals as a white man. Right, right. And, it was, and, and because he did those gigs, the union wouldn't give him any other gigs. Oh, Until yeah, yeah, 1965. Yeah. <laughs> Right, you know, oh, when they man. shut down the black musicians' union, right, and they combined they, them, and they, yeah, and they yeah. combined them. Which now, is, now we know, have, and one. that's when Martin Luther King got assassinated. Sixty-five. No, no, that's no. that's sixty-eight. That's sixty-eight. Okay. Right. That was the that was the, when the poverty program was started in nineteen sixty-five. That was when it was illegal to segregate schools. Oh. at that point. Everything changed at that point. So, uh, so let's talk about some of these early bands that I know you from. So, uh -huh. uh, the the first time I met you was uh, I already knew Cranston from playing in my father's band, and and uh, he tells me he's got this. You know, punk rock was first starting up. I was very getting into punk rock right, myself. Right. I'd already been into jazz, but uh -huh. now, uh, you know, I was already studying with Steve Mazakowski. Right. Um, but Were then, you ha did you know Charlie Colmar? I knew Charlie uh, when the I was drama. when I was in so, yeah yeah right, right. yeah when I was in high yeah. school yeah. yes yeah yeah Charlie Colmeyer and right. I played played gigs together when I was in high school he was a great he was, drummer man he, I want to have him on the podcast for yeah. sure he's back in town good good but uh, 
uh, anyway, so they, Cranston says, uh, my, my band is playing a gig. Uh, Sex Dog is playing at Luigi's. <laughs> so, so me and my friends go to, to Luigi's and, and see Sex Dog play. I think that's the first time I, I actually really met you. Wow, okay. So, and, you know, you, you turn out to be one of these people who, who uh, you know, is, is such a pivotal figure in my life. And I'll get to that later on. Right, right. But in, in so many of these bands, you know, like the, that. Uh, so so you start off with Sex Dog. That's that's uh, y'all play together for several years. It's uh, well, that must have been cool. Uh, we'll well, talk about that. Way, talk well, talk I, about I, how that got started. OK, well, the thing is, and also understand something that the really the first band that that I was actually working in New Orleans was a band called Sources. Okay. And it was this guy Frank Stone, who was a master percussionist who worked with for the local symphony orchestra, had worked with over 200 symphony orchestras in mm -hmm. the town, and he heard me playing saxophone after I'd been playing for six months. I had just bought it when I was 15 years old, and he heard me out from a jam session at Ramsey McLean's house, and called me up on the phone. He says, "I want you. I want to teach you." And he called me up and he says, but all you got to do for me, you don't have to pay me. He says, you come to, on my piano, he was a piano tuner too. So you come on my piano tuning gigs and I'll, I'll teach you, I'll, I'll, sit, I'll sit down with you and teach you how to play, what I'm playing. But he told me right off the bat, I had been playing the saxophone for six months. And he says, you were doing all the things that most saxophone players I know take at least 10 years to develop, which is how to play softly. How to play loudly, how to play fast, how to play dynamically. He was really impressed the way I play. Okay, and that turned into several uh, several uh, grants from the government. I did several gigs at Jazz Fest. One of the greatest gigs we had. We had this huge big band with Johnny Vidakovich and Clyde Kerr and Kid Jordan, and and you remember Lon Price? Sure, yeah, yeah great player, great Lon Price. And, and that, that's when I got my my gig because we did this gig at Jazz Fest. And I did this solo, and, and I had ne ever, never talked to Lon, but it was like one of those moments in the old days and when all of a sudden I put my horn back and Lon's standing on the side of the stage and he's pointing at, yeah, motherfucker, that's good. Yeah, yeah, motherfucker, that's good. I nice. like that, you know. Nice. So I was, you know, that was that whole supportive scene. Right. And then I lost my Giga Jazz Festival because of Sex Dog because they used to just send me a contract. At, at the jazz fest thinking I would bring in a jazz group because I did that for six years with a jazz I even got on uh, 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 a jazz alive on NPR right second gig of jazz fest I got a tape at home nice and they put me on jazz alive between between Charles Mingus and uh, 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 um, who's the drummer from New Orleans that ended up playing with uh, Ornette Coleman uh, no Ed Blackwell Ed Blackwell. Uh, I exactly. came up with it. How you got it? Because it was the first time he'd been back in New Orleans to do a gig, and he was supposed to play with a kid Jordan. And 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 the weird thing is, is that he got he got freaked out because the reason why Ed Blackwell left the city was because the city the city sheriff came to his house, and because he was married to a white woman, uh -huh. he they took him from his house at that moment with his wife to the train station. Put him on a train oh. and said, "You don't ever come back here." Oh man! It's 1961. Okay, and this is the first time. 35 years later, he comes back to New Orleans, uh -huh. and he was a little nervous. Okay, 
And he was also, and he at the last minute decided he was going to play with Ellis Marcellus and just play standards. Okay. He wasn't going to go up on stage with Kid and play all that fresh play free, out shit, right. you know, all the free thing, because he was like tiptoe. He was okay. Like worried about that shit. Is he still married to that white woman? Actually, he is. Okay. And, and 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 I don't know. Well, he, I mean, he's not married to her because he's dead. He passed away oh, probably okay. about five, six, about ten years ago. Something. Yeah, like he lasted that. a long time. Yeah, he did last a long time. But so many drummers from New Orleans because he was. You realize Ornette Coleman was down here for like a year. Right. Right. Yeah. Just Ellis playing in Baton Rouge, yeah, playing yeah. all these gigs right. around here, working with Kid, and trying to get this whole thing down right. going on. I remember down Ellis here. talking about that and yeah. and the the innovation of that. But 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 the reason why. Uh, the the whole gig thing is that one day when the jazz fest, I think this was like in uh, uh, probably 70, 73 or seventy four something like that, but they let me bring I brought Sex Dog and I didn't they thought I was going to bring a jazz group, mm -hmm. and I brought Sex Dog out there uh -huh. and I was playing drums at the time. With Crance and Clemens, yeah. Scott Gudo, this guy Oli Oli Sasson, and Rick Rick uh, I can't remember Rick's uh, last Waddington. name. Dave wasn't there. Da and Dave Dave, Dave Clemens was there. Oh, yeah, yep. Dave yeah. Clemens. And I still have a photograph of me with with this great photograph of me because I would we would do this song called Alien Substance at the end of the gig and we would just demolish the the the, the whole set we'd knock over the amplifiers and the, and at one point I got this photograph of me it's a great photograph because it's my bass drum and my rack toms that are connected and I'm throwing them out into the audience but the funny part about the photograph is you can't tell if they're coming in. Are going out. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're like, my, audience hand, is my hands drums. are down and the drums are still suspended in the air. Uh -huh. But I was famous for that because I had all these old beat up 60 sets of drums. And yeah. so I could do the Keith Moon thing every once in a while. Right. But after that, got a little expensive. So you weren't welcome back after that. After that, they they come, oh, well, you Nick, you know, you know. Uh, they weren't so sure. Yeah, right. they wanted and, to ask and, more and, questions. And, and in, in my defense, several people left the Jazz Fest at that point. Who, who started Charlie Baring and people like that who were working in the main office. And so there was a lot of the people that I started with. Because, I mean, Jazz Fest is, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't know what to call it at this point. But it, they should not call Horrible. it a Jazz That's Fest. That's what you should call it. You know, yeah, they shouldn't it's, call it's it much, jazz, much broader than that. I yeah, mean, for it's sure. way, yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, bro, just, I mean, when, when, they, maybe... when, they, when they started selling cars at Jazz Fest, <laughs> yeah. I said that's the end of Jazz Fest, yeah. and that was like '91 or something. Oh, like that. really? Yeah, that was like '92. I went out there and it was like, they're selling fucking the Acura stage was actually cars, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. And, and we only had one sponsor for all those years. What was it? Schlitz beer. Oh, there, there you go. go. Right. One yeah. sponsor for all them years. But you see, a lot of those people at the top of the Jazz Fed, people, you know, that they were making a lot of money, but it was supposed well, to be a non-profit scenario. Right. Well, right. that's anything good gets ruined because of the money. Always. Yeah, always. You know? and, now, and, do you think Sex Dog wasn't asked back because of the Clements brothers? Or no, was it no, you? hell no, no. It was, it was about, it was about me really? and the fact that I, I, I went in the, the next year and put the jazz group back together and they said just say we're not going to take that for the budget but yeah i know it pissed some people off because i should have called somebody 
But I'd played there seven seven times in a row right. in the 70s. I played, but that's when know, it was like five you know, bucks or free, right? Almost, yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. for what you And you, you could bring your own booze and right. stuff like that. And you could fuck right. on the ground right. and stuff like that. But you see, that was a, that was a huge... Uh, and and then you, I'll, I'll go back to Frank Stone. And well, my, before you go back, uh, we, we got a whole bunch of stuff we want to get into. Okay. Um, but uh, this is the time of the show when we is take a little break. Commercial yeah. break? Yeah. Well, well, it's uh, a libation break. We well, have no We'll get into all that on the other side of the break. But uh, Manny's going to get us out here. All yeah, right. the, the, the troubled nation knows what to do, man. So we'll be right back. All right. Back, back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coleman. Back with our guest, Mr. Nikki Sonsenbach. Now, Nikki, I know uh, not only is this the first podcast that you've appeared on, I think this is the first podcast that you are even hearing, or, or when when oh, you well, listen this to this. First, first, uh, that, you, that's just, there's some truth to that, right? 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 Sure. So, so I know you're not familiar with with uh, the protocol with, the, with what goes on with this show, but uh, just to let you in, we've had some difficulty with sponsors over the over the course of our five years of existence here, and and we are back to our original sponsor, which we refer to as Loose Change. <laughs> and uh, we we use that in in uh, loose terms. It's a figurative term because uh, uh, these days everything's all ones and zeros. All uh, currency is digital. You there know, you just go. pass passing this back and forth to each other. So uh, to to make that easy for the troubled nation, we have a Venmo link and a uh, PayPal link right there in the in the show notes of every show and the, the Facebook page. And we also have a, a, a Patreon page that, that uh, you can sign up. He has at, no idea what you're talking right, about. Right, right. Well, I'm talking to the, the general uh, audience now. And in, in fact, uh, so with the Patreon page, it takes the guesswork out. You know, you're supporting the show week in and week out just the way you're these dedicated Damn, listeners Damn, you didn't are, tell me I had to donate to money to be well, on no, the show. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's later. I'll break that to you. But uh, but no, we have. I want to give a shout-out to uh, uh, David Nealon, who's uh, our latest patron to sign up for the Patreon page. Oh. And I uh, want to give a shout out to a former guest. Uh, I think you're familiar with Dirk Billy, who uh, oh, yeah. who who uh, well, was was in here in person last week, and 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 uh, uh, you know. 
came over with some folding money for cocktails for us. So uh, oh, wow. shout out to Dirk Billy yeah, for right. continued support. Where is he now? Oh, he's, he, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's working hard, man. Dirk's always got something going on. You know him. Uh-huh. Um, so, yes, uh, Nation, uh, support the podcast as you listen to it. Uh, uh, follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, subscribe uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast. Subscribe, rate and review. Give us five stars. You could say, uh, fuck Manny and Renee, five stars. We like that. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Uh, we still have the Trouble Men Podcast t-shirts available in all the sizes up to the big boy sizes, 3 and 4X. No, no limit there. Um, Do we have the big girl sizes? Big too? girl sizes as well. Yeah, yeah. All sizes. Yeah. They have female shirts. Yeah, they have uh, girl cut shirts, uh, tank tops, all, all kind of different colors. And Do we have thongs? Uh, we don't have Trouble thongs, but but Trouble someone has, thongs? has has thongs and speedos is the next thing we're going to uh, uh, to, to to get on right. there. And uh, just a little plug out: I'm going out on the uh, the the road with the iguanas. You can check those dates at uh, iguanas.com and going through the uh, Ohio Valley uh, into the Midwest, all the way up to Minneapolis. Uh, so and how come, long are you going to be gone? Uh, what be, is it? Be two gone weeks? for two weeks. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chicago, uh, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Madison. Uh-huh. Okay, so so uh, check yeah, the check AARP out. tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, we're, we'll take sponsorship yeah. wherever. A P P P P P R tour. Hold it, hold it. I see hot happy hour tour. Um, so anyway, uh, seems like enough of that. So back to our guest, Mister Nick Nikki Sansenbach. Yeah, you're right. Now, Nikki, uh, I, w- I was talking about the first time I ever met you. But the first time I ever stayed at your Hickory Street house was uh, Scott Gudo had played a gig with my father, and there was a big punk rock show taking place later on that night. So I think I was the band boy on this job, although I was already playing professionally on, you know, with another band when I when I when they had gigs. But I would still go move equipment with my father on certain nights. This is one of those nights I uh, I rode with Scott Gudo to the gig with the, with the expectation that I would, uh, was this girl I wanted to go meet up with, you know, I was a little bit older than me. I figured, well, you know, it's, it seems like I'm in here and maybe I can uh, swing going home with her and I'll stay right. with her. Well, didn't pan out that way. So at the end of the night, Scott stuck with me and, uh, Scott and, and, uh, Lisa, his girlfriend there at the time. Go. Right. And Scott's like, well, okay, why don't you just come back where with, with me and we'll, you can stay at this house that, that I'm living at. So he brings me back to the Hickory street. Oh, house. Wow. I wind up sleeping on the porch on the, on the sofa. No shit. Wow. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Wow. So now that house looms large. Uh-huh. Uh, and now, you were saying when I was at your house picking you up, you were showing me your 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 uh, studio area where you have all the instruments set up, a playing jam session right. kind of set up. You were saying that everywhere you've ever lived, everywhere. you had that. Right. And and I guess that's one of the one of the reasons you've always been this conduit or or like a like an incubator for bands. Like you started I, I had, so many. I, bands. I had a one room bedroom apartment. That if I folded out my 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 sofa bed, you had to step out of the room. Uh-huh, right. And I used to rehearse in there with Jay Beninati and Bobby Brennan and Kevin for the for the uh, uh, what was it then? Uh, the Rockabies? No, no, that it was, was before a, that. That was no, that was after that. Okay. So this is Jay Beninati with uh, 
And, oh, and the Blue it, Vipers. Not yeah, it was the Blue Vipers. Right, right. Well, so you just <coughs> mentioned a guy, Bobby Brennan. Yeah, uh, I heard tremendous, he passed. You see that? He, that he, killed. He, me. He, I knew he that. Did, he did pass some some time ago, but man, what a talent! I think uh, Bobby started off as like a guitar player and singer. Right, right. And uh, then and the then he greatest got greatest singer, rockabilly singer ever, as and, far as I'm concerned. And I, I I saw him do that. Uh, I think before he started playing bass, but then I guess he got the somehow got a call to play with uh, 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 was it Levi and, and the rocker. And, 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 well, you see, here's a, okay, here's here's the story right on. Rockabies okay. get a call. We're all friends of Rosie Wilson's that owns Rosie's on Chopper Tools, the club there. You know Rosie's? No, I never. It was heard the of biggest it. jazz club in America for a while there. A, her her parents. She were, was an heiress here heiress in New Orleans. She's a huge jazz fan. Right. Left parents left what's her a ton it, of it? money. Yeah, and, and, uh, and her two brothers went. And her, uh, she has a brother that he produced all the Porky movies. Oh, okay. Did I didn't even know, know that. Did not. And know the that. other brother opened up yoga studios in New York. Okay. But 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 Rosie. I like had, those Porky movies. They yeah, were okay. good. But Rosie's was was you know the, was the jazz club that New Orleans never have and never will get again in the it's, first it's place. Real fancy, upscale. Upscale. Uh, yeah, did they yeah, let yeah, black you know. people in it? Yes, they did. Oh yeah, yeah. of course. Oh, okay. yeah. It was the date. You know, you gotta go this was, that in, this was in the eighties. Uh, yes, right. this place opened and, and, and late seventies actually. And, and, and that's and, when crack was huge, right? right? But more important, Dave Clemens and I and several other people, we hung a, lot, a shitload of the shit sheetrock in Rosie's. Oh. We did a lot of work in that place, huh. and in one day. We call up, we show up with Bobby because Rockabies had fallen apart. No, the sex dog had ro fallen apart. Well, now, now just to cut in, uh, Dave was telling me that uh, as sex dog was, was kind of ending, that Barbara Hoover said, y'all should, uh, y'all know about rock rockabilly music? Y'all right, should check right. out rockabilly music. Right, right. So, uh, so and, and Bobby was the instigator that threw her. Okay. Because he was the guy that was really into the records, uh, Robert Gordon and all these records right. and stuff. And this is long before the Stray Cats that had even left New York. Right. And a lot of people don't realize that. But at the same time, when, when, when we got up to, to, what was the whole thing there? It was, uh, I, I'm going to be forgetful, but we we played a bunch of gigs in New Orleans. Bobby was just one of the greatest singers, and he played guitar. Rosie Wilson calls us up, and she wants to bring us and allows us to stay with her at the Dakota for a month. Okay, now the Dakota is where Rosemary's Baby was filmed, and John Lennon was shot. And John right, Lennon sure, and Yoko sure. lived. Right, right, and, yeah. and so, so did Lauren Bacall lived. Lauren Bur uh, Bur Bur Leonard Bernstein lived there. Right, so right, you're right. saying they and should so have been shot? No, you keep no. saying lived. No, like but, li but you'll, 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 there's a punchline here that uh, you'll, okay. you'll, you'll regret what you just said, uh, okay? okay? So anyway, so one day we get up there, we drive all the way up in the middle of the night with Bobby and David and Cranston and ourselves in this fucked up van. We get there and we, we find the, the Dakota and 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 then all of a sudden we realize that all these people are are, are living it. Oh, this is the Dakota. I didn't really even know what it was. Right. And so we go. And and the other reason why is Rosie wanted us, us to go in the studio with her because she was a fairly good singer okay. and back her up. Mm -hmm. And in this process, we're going through this, and all of a sudden, I, I'll never forget this because 
the day that one day we're standing, me and Bobby Brennan are standing in front of the Dakota, and Bobby, who was always fixing his hair, yeah. he's doing his hair thing, and guess who gets out of a limousine and comes over to me and says, hey, mate, which, which with your friend? His hair is really cool. And it was John Lennon and Yoko. Oh. On the very same spot, he was killed oh. six months later. Oh, man. Think oh, about that. Gee whiz. You know, I think it is, I have these Ferris, you know, Ferris, Forrest Gump moments uh -huh. in my life right. that I talk about where I didn't, wasn't directly involved, but I was actually somehow there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and I've had a bunch of those in my life. But the yeah, fact Kennedy. that I... And, and yeah, six months later, but yeah. I, I did see Kennedy in New Orleans going down St. Charles Avenue when I was four years old. Because uh -huh. he came through here on his way to uh, to, to 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 Houston, uh, to Texas, to at Dallas, oh, to man. Dallas. He was all, yeah. he stopped here before he went to Dallas. That's but, where he but, met Lee Harvey, but, but, right? But we, when we got there, this is really this is a touchy story because we we played the we played uh, Max's Kansas City, and then this group of people. Who actually do? Does, do you ever? Do you are you familiar with the Nicholas Katzenbach? Katzenbach. He was a, a big politician in the sixties. Okay, name's familiar. And 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 it was almost the same last time as mine. And we were hanging out with his daughter in New York City. We didn't uh. know that who she was. And all of a sudden, Bobby Brennan's like, you know her, Saudi? Because this guy was Secretary of State or something in the oh. Kennedy administration and stuff. And we're all going, oh, my God. you know. And I said, Nicholas Katzenbach. That's okay. what his, that's right. what, that was his name, Nicholas. Almost my same name. That's right. how I remember that. So you're hanging out with his daughter. Yeah, so and so these people are just all off the charts and stuff. And so then they, they rented us a soundstage to throw this party in New York City for us mm -hmm. and have people from William Morris show up and see us. Okay? Okay. And for some reason, we were getting all, we were all ready to do this and stuff like this and these guys were late and Cranston got mad and Cranston and David started fighting because he's, oh man, because these guys, then these guys from William Morris show up and they say, okay, well, y'all go play and and, and Cranston and Dave were like, well, well, we already played, man. You know, come on. We, and I'm like, this is fucking William. This right. is the reason you go to New York. Yeah. Okay? This is the reason. Yeah. And we ended up, Bobby and I, in the middle of all this, and Dave, we just got up and we got up on stage and we started doing sex dog covers. Uh-huh. Because we couldn't do the other material mm. without Cranston. Okay. And... And, and and what happened that night, the guys from uh, 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 the rockabilly band from England, uh, the Levi. Levi and the rock ripcords, were there at the gig and saw Bobby, but they heard him sing. 24 hours later, ring, ring, ring. Hey, mate, they you want to go them. to England? Because he saw the trouble that we were having right, with right, the right. band they, and took him. And the poached. next thing you know, he's on a plane going to England with these guys. And Bobby wound up becoming a tremendous and, uh, slap upright and he, bass player. And he player. comes back a year uh. later 
Mm-hmm. And even Ray Campy saw him in, in Texas one time at a gig and said, that motherfucker's the best he ever heard. Uh, I tell you what, man. Never his, played upright bass in his And life. Dave Clemens comes home and opens a fucking shitty bar. His, his, the greatest <laughs> bar on the planet as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, bar, yeah, too. Yeah, Bobby's, you, Bobby's right mean, hand, man. The, the, the rhythmic propulsion that he, that he, I mean, that it he was, uh, it was, was able and, to generate. And, and, it's and incredible, it really man. made me understand what all these records that you're listening to, what the bass player and that drummer does because that ba- that dr- the bass player was actually doing the right hand right ticket 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 right 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 so it opens you up and i had to learn a whole type of drumming to make sure i didn't get in the, in the i didn't mess that up right and doing the summer but it was just and he comes back and that's when jay we had the blue vipers together the blue vipers man what and, a tremendous band and that immediately just takes off with jay and and uh uh and uh uh, uh, uh what's our boy uh, Kevin. Kevin. I say I got. I say, yeah, I thank you, Kevin Nealon. Uh, you know, I no, can't remember Kevin's Nealon. last name, but uh, uh, we'll yeah. he'll come we'll to remember. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, everybody that's everybody I'm knows I'm, Kevin. I'm 15 minutes behind. Right, here, right. All the stuff. Well, so so the, and the Blue Vipers makes a a, a huge uh, huge impression. It 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 spawns a few other bands like. Stanley and the Undesirables. Exactly. So now, now here's where I come into the story, or here's right. where where I come back into the story. I'm at Loyola Music School during this time. I'm still going to see punk rock shows, going to see rockabilly shows. Had, had seen, uh, you know, uh, the Rockabies. Had seen the Blue Vipers. Love those bands. Right. I get a call. I'm not sure if it was from you. I think it was from you, and you said you you recommended me to for. Alex Chilton sure, right. and Stanley Un- and the Undesirables right. to play on the same gig. I was going to back both of those guys right, up. Right. That is a pivotal moment in my life. That changes the trajectory of my life. Well, is it true what you told me back then? It was at the that after you played that when you did the gig with Tav, is that that you were the next thing you know you're on stage opening for the Clash up well, in Nashville? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that, that happened that, in very short order, man. Right, I know. You see, that's what I'm saying. It was like you know. But but uh, just the, it was it was my way out of music school. It was my way into the club scene oh, and, totally. and playing club gigs. I, I I I never looked back. I never regretted it for a second. Right, right. And and when I think about the butterfly effect of that, like if you don't recommend me. Uh, you know, I don't have your, this whole your, life with uh, playing this kind of music, right. playing all, all this roots music and stuff. Right. I don't wind up playing uh, with the Panther Burns. I don't wind up coming back and, and joining the Iguanas. Right. That doesn't, you know, so that goes a different direction. That's right. I, I don't wind up bringing Doug Garrison down here from Memphis. To, uh-huh. to You know, he doesn't wind up playing with Alex because right. it's like all this stuff See, doesn't... See, I didn't realize that Doug was actually a drummer for Alex's father. Well, yeah, yeah, but that see, Alex didn't even know Doug from then. He, we, oh, really? A, no, okay. Alex and I met met Doug at a finest Newburn uh, when uh, at a William Eggleston. Uh, the piano uh, playable? Well, well, finest uh, Newborn. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it was a William Eggleston uh, photo exhibit. Uh, right. His his photos right, from Graceland. Because he was from Memphis, right? Right, and right. and Doug was playing in the trio at the opening. Wow, which, which is the finest Newburn. Trio wow. oh, and wow. Doug was the drummer and Alex Doug? and I were in attendance. Yeah, Are Doug was the drummer. Yeah, yeah. God, Doug was the first call jazz guy. He was he's Doug is the, the Vodakovich of Memphis. No, wow. no, that's, he played wow. with, every time Mose Allison came through Memphis. Doug was the first call. You know, right. he did all those gigs. So he played with with Finest regularly and right. and 
it's it's that's when we see Doug. That's when we hire Doug for Alex's band. That's how I know Doug. That's how then I bring Doug down in New Orleans to join the Iguanas. Now, what was the name of the the original drummer for Tav? Ross Johnson. Ross. Okay, okay, okay. Doug never played in the Panther Burns. I mean, he played like bongos on a few tracks here But I was just wondering, did you ever play with Ross? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because he played with the Panther Burns. Yeah, yeah, I played with Ross many, many times. I I made a bunch of records with with Ross playing in the band and all. But but I think it's so interesting that, you know, you made this one call off the top of your head and it winds up affecting all these lives. Anyway. uh, And you want to know how tight that is, is that I had quit the Vipers and immediately got a job with his, a, a gig with his friend of mine, Dale Anthony, who at the time had some 50s cover bands back in the day. But he's from New Orleans. He went to Tulane. I've known him for years. And the reason I bring this up, because I'd quit uh, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with Jay Beninati. And I take, the, take this gig, and we go out. Of, we do one gig for like five nights in, in Jacksonville, Florida, as, as a 50s band. Realize the club owner's not going to pay us, so we said, fuck it, let's get out of here. So we screw the place, and we come back to New Orleans. Is that all of a sudden, there's a knock on my door, because I'm living in this one, the same one-bedroom apartment I was talking about. Uh-huh. I'm a, it's two blocks from where Stanley's staying, living on Louisiana Avenue. Okay. All right. All of a sudden, there's a knock on my door. It's George the Max. And he goes, you need to come over with me and check out this guy, Stanley, because he, he just got he, had, he got into this wreck with a semi-trailer, and him and his brother got all this money, and they want to make a recording. He didn't say anything about Al. Uh huh. So I go, yeah, man, okay. I got, you know, just got off this other gig. So I get put my clothes on. I walk over with George and Max into this apartment, and we're starting to we sit there starting to talk about what he wants to do. And he, yeah, I want to go in the studio. And at the time, Becky Curry was still alive, and she was the and bass she, player she was in the Stanley. Bass player, right. I, mean, I, said, I have right. a photograph for that session. But the the kicker here is all of a sudden this closet door opens up inside the living room. <laughs> And here comes Alex Chilton picking his nose. <laughs> oh, what are y'all doing? He's got this big old booger. You know? <laughs> so he came, like, and he he came out of the closet. Closet basically. picking his nose and shit. And he had just gotten back from England doing this tour with the cramps. Uh-huh. And he was like, you could see his skin was white as a sheet and that sort of thing. And, sort of, and the, reason he, the reason he hung out and, 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 and the thing about this guy, Stanley Atkins, that I'm talking about, Okay. Dave Clements was, making a cameo that, appearance. Yeah. All right, brother Dave. But he was, he, the thing about the Look, the I see, story, I got Nikki in here. <laughs> the, no, the, no, the story, the story with Stanley, you'd be interested, is was that Stanley was an old friend of Alex's from Memphis. Right. And Stanley got busted, like, stealing cars or breaking the thing. And the judge gave him a choice of either going to jail or joining the Merchant Marines and going to Vietnam. And with the Merchant Marine. So Marines. he took jail? No, he took. He went to Vietnam, uh, oh, okay. and he became a junkie right. in Vietnam. Right. Where the heroin's pure, bro. Yeah, baby. It's pure. Yeah, good and, stuff. And, and, you know, and that was the whole story, that he was a lifer, you know, as far as... He came and, back with a and, huge and, habit, and, and, and he and, and George were, were and, thick and, as thieves. And, and I'll go over there, and I'll, all of a sudden, Alex is walking around with his leather jacket in his underwear... <laughs> Picking his nose, like, do you have any more coffee? Uh, Stanley, you got this stuff. He's walking around the room. And and, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, and then George is, George is kind of sitting there, like, you know, doing this. And the next thing you know, I look over, and there's Stanley 
in the corner hitting up like two or three Delaudis. Sure. In one shot. Yeah. Okay. Would kill anybody. And that's when you know that you're, you're with a lifer. Right. You know, yeah. because this guy, you know, because they had a hard, hard time. They talked about that these guys from Vietnam, they just weren't, they weren't just addicted to heroin. They were addicted to absolutely pure heroin. Right, right, right. So it was really So they didn't hard. share. Yeah, they didn't they share. They didn't it was share really anything. Hard to get. Yeah. But I remember just the two of them, both George and Stanley, and they're both going, oh, and I'm like sitting in the room, and then Becky comes in. Uh-huh who unfortunately passed away not too long after that, right. but we did the session and stuff. And she, and I'm going, oh, oh. And then Alex, he didn't, he got a little taste. Uh-huh. So he just saved me a little bit, uh-huh. you know. But he was, he was, you know, He's trying just to be chipping. cool. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I was the only sober one in the fucking room at this point, going, what have I gotten? Because Stanley had gotten, he'd really gotten to this wreck with a semi-trailer, had this huge money front, and he just wanted to make a record. And he enters the story because he's the base, another available base. I said I was gonna pull out. I got that great photograph with the three of us with the with, uh, with the with the, uh, 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 the undesirables. That I'm in. Yeah. Oh, I gotta see it. It's a beautiful. Right, it's, well, a, it's a great eight by ten glossy. I'll come over and take a picture of it tonight. Because remember that girlfriend of of of, of, of Judy. Judy. She's a great photographer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Stanley. She Stanley's made this wife. Stuff. Nice. Nice. Well, so kind of getting towards the end here, and maybe we should have a part two with you, Nikki. But uh, there is a part two to all this. Oh, I know there sure. is. I know there is. Um, but uh, we're we're talking about it's back to the Hickory Street house. It's it all keeps revolving around that. So absolutely. So so you know after the Stanley and the Undesirables uh, era uh, uh, passes, I go off to play with the Panther Burns, and and Alex and I go off on his solo career. Right. Uh, you uh, build a, an actual studio into uh, the the basement of the Hickory Street house. Right. Well, I had two. I had Jack Barry had a studio. He had brought stuff into right, there, right? And I sort of started building the place out. And then Richard Bird moved in, and then Kenny, Kenny, this other guy, Kenny, somebody I can't think of his name right now. But about three or four, and then finally it came time where I was getting. I said, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything until this place is a recording studio. And the one secret that I made, I, but I had to keep making money. So I started renting the basement only to drummers, not bands. And I made more money, and it was less hassle. As a practice space? As a practice yeah. because all these drummers needed some place to practice. Right, you can't practice in and, your... And, and you your, didn't have a band blaring out of your shit. And I said, this is a perfect thing. And then finally, that, that time came when... You know, it was all over. I said, let's just fucking do this. And I started... And, and then I had uh, Bradley Wisham... Who was a drummer for Barry Cowsell, okay, and the Strangers? Mm-hmm. That he was, he had come in town, and and he was working in the, in the house, in the, and he was rehearsing with with uh, with Barry in the, at my house, because mm-hmm. at the time I was doing sound for Peter Holzapple and Susan Cowsell at Carrollton Station. I did that for about a year and a half, which is an incredibly educational thing, because the one thing about Peter Holzapple and Susan Cowsell. These people know songwriting, yeah. Oh, yeah, and and the trouble that we have in New Orleans so many times was 
You know, Howard Scott told me one of the greatest quotes. He said, you know what the problem with you guys in New Orleans is that, you said, what's that? He says, y'all play too much to be making great records. Yeah. Because if you're playing eight-hour and ten-hour gigs and six-hour gigs and shit, you ain't going to make good records. <laughs> huh. He said, because you go to Memphis in these places, he says, you never make a record for the gig. Right. It says yeah, the whole time you're making a record, you don't care if you can reproduce it on stage or not. You just try to make a great record. And he says every time he used these New Orleans cats, they'd be playing every lick they knew and everything. They're, they're so gig oriented. Yeah, and right. they couldn't listen. And a great quote I heard from Branford Marcellus one time, which is I've heard it from several people: "The song will tell you what it needs. Yep. You sure. don't tell the song what it right, needs. Right, right. The song will always tell you." Yes. And, and, and and people screw up because they do. Oh, I need if I did this and I add this and I add this and all that stuff kind of goes on. Right. But the knowledge from people, that's what I said. It's like what Howard Scott said. Every time Howard Scott goes in the studio, he wears green. And I said, why? Because I want to make money. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, know? yeah. you don't go in there for this, the process of what it is to make a record. And right. and. You know, I was doing that for a while in New Orleans. That, that's another thing that's changed drastically. Because you hear these stories about Prince going in the studio and sweeping the street, you know, sweeping the thing. I would play for nothing. I did anything that I possibly could do to work in the studio. Mm -hmm. I would take any session. I don't care what. Because playing in the studio is a completely different experience than playing live. Sure, sure. And he says, so many musicians, that's what Howard Scott says, you play to, if you're playing to a drunk bar room, you yeah. ain't going to record no, no hits. It's a different mindset, you yeah, know? for sure. Yeah. And, 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 and that, you know, I, I take that into account all the time of like what it takes. And it's still, I, Howard right now, we wrote about six, seven songs together, Howard Scott and I. Nice. And that motherfucker... I mean, if the, that that is the last biggest rock and roll ripoff in the music industry to this day, bar none, where the they woke up, Howard woke up one time in 1997, discovered that their agent had sold the name, had sold all the sold all the publishing rights to every war song which Howard had written. And, and they still sell, they're at 320 million albums right now. Yeah. The, they yeah, the, still it's, sell it's records. It's timeless, man. Those records That's still stand up. That's how you know up. you're good. Right. When you're, when you're still selling the same records, when marching bands, when marching bands are playing your songs, that then you're iconic. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, war, And man, you that, see all these bands, people, oh, that's a great band. Is a marching band playing your song? Well, then you ain't iconic, bro. Right, right, right. You learn that in New Orleans and modern was like every time at Mardi Gras, every band would be playing, you know, look at, walk, look at, watching out for darkness or some war right, song. Right, 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 right. We had uh, Harold Brown on the podcast during the during the lockdown. He, Serious? Yeah, yeah. He came, oh, came wow. on Came on remotely. Is he still in town? Or no, he's he... uh, he's in Long Beach, man. He's oh, like, wow. He, uh, like. Two blocks from where he went to elementary school, he still lives right, 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 right. in his in his neighborhood. And him and man. Howard grew up. They were born in the same hospital. Yeah, two hours in between each other. Yeah, in Compton and stuff. Yeah, no, man, what a man. But those guys, I mean, that's that. That was our first 
uh, for Noise Lab, the studio that we put that I finally finished up in that place, they were our first client, and it's so prophetic because the first thing Howard, I, I gave him one of my albums that I made recently, mm -hmm. and he goes, y'all problems, you need to slow down, man. You're way the fuck ahead of everybody. And I take that as a high compliment from him. But more importantly, that he was the the very exactly right band to integrate the the the, the new studio because the the they don't the war never wrote never wrote a fuck me song they don't have any love song their songs are almost all of them are political mm -hmm. cop killer uh, 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 slipping into darkness the world is a ghetto i mean you go every song they don't, even with eric burden yeah, even with Eric, that's why they kicked Eric Burton out of the band. Well, spill the wine, though. Yeah, but I mean, spill that's... the wine is not about sex. If you know, but it's, talk, it's talking about the possibility of having sex. Yeah. But it's not about sex. Right, right, right. You see? It's not a and love that's song. the point. Yeah. It's not a fuck me song. And, what does and spill Sky, the wine Sky, mean? That's a good question. It's like you're sitting there with holding yeah. something. But that 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 lady's Oops. talking some sexy foreign language in that yeah. song. Yeah, and I'll, I'll ask him about it. You see, because he actually recorded the song. Right. But yeah. I know, and and he told me that he's he, you know, and he read my lyrics, and I read my lyrics, and I said, you are actually, I'm a political writer. I can't help it in my words. And what I write about, yeah. and he wrote me three songs that I sang and we recorded. Nice. So you, I wish you, like I say, if you got the time, you really should come over and hear. I mean, a lot of people have never heard this. Yeah, no, See? no, I definitely want to for sure. You know, because. Well, you know, Nikki, uh, we, we have so much we could talk about. We're, we're just kind of, uh, you know, at the at the downslope of the podcast here. Skipping all yeah, right we, we've jumped around, but we've covered so much of the stuff yeah. I wanted to talk about. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we uh, I, I have I have ideas about something we're going to do in I the future to together. I you musical. You might know this. Okay. Who was the other famous white jazz trombone player? There was Big Spinerback. Jack Teagarden. Jack Teagarden. How's that? Doc Severinsen. How's that? No, Pretty no. good, huh? And the reason, I, the reason I bring this up is that one time my mother showed me photographs, because believe this or not, my father booked Jack Teagarden and Louis Armstrong because he, he was touring America at that time. And the thing about that tour was that it was actually the first time that Louis Armstrong was playing with a white musician touring America. But he was playing through the city, and he stayed at our house in New Mexico. Oh. But my father booked the Modern Jazz Quartet. He booked Dave Brubeck, and he booked Louis Armstrong when we lived, because he wanted to hear the music, so he started setting up these gigs. Nice. Man, you see? So the shit was in your blood, and, and, Nicky. And here, as a bass player, you would appreciate this, is that Percy Heath, the bass player with, with the Modern, Modern Jazz, Jazz Quartet, Quartet yeah, yeah. he got his bass out of the car and fucking neck was cracked. And so my father knew somebody at the local, at the symphony orchestra, and he, and he told me the story about going with him to the orchestra pit, you know, where they where they kept all the, and he's just going down the street, down this thing going... No, no, no. Playing, playing different basses, yeah. trying out different basses. Right, trying out different basses. <laughs> yeah, this, okay, this one will do. He, he walked out there. And, he, and my father, he was a total fan of music. He just loved the fact that he was, you know, in the room. Right, sure, you know, yeah, facilitating, like, man. I see you where know, you got it from, Oh, Ricky. yeah, man, totally. I right mean, on. somebody has to do that, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, 
Well, Nikki, man, you've 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 uh, you have done so much for New Orleans music, man. You 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 connect all, you connect all the dots in New Orleans underground rock uh, and roll, man, and and even beyond that. So, uh, thank you for for everything you've done. Thank you for the 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 effect you've had on my life, man. Well, I really, well, really, I, I really appreciate that. I do because yeah, you it, know, it, it, no, because you wonder sometimes. Because I really, I been the one thing that I did learn from my father is like you know the house you just saw that I live in that sort of thing. Every house we've ever lived in was well, I considered an outpost that this is where people who were traveling and other dignitaries and people that didn't have a place my father would take them in an original Let's Airbnb say. right yeah in a sense yeah. a journey but you, you had to be on a journey your dad charged them no no he didn't charge them no he didn't and especially he slept with them and then, no. his contribution and then he had all kinds of people from New Mexico who came to New Orleans but I've always felt like the place that the storefront and the people go oh this is a great jam space no this is an outpost right this is this is the place you come where you play all the shit that everybody tells were you were they not. indigenous people from right, New Mexico right, right. he said you know, they they, right. they told you not to play that. Well, you play that more. This is the place we can play. Yeah, right we, on, right, right on. Right. Well, again, thank you so much, Nick. I'm thank so glad we're able to do yeah. this. Thank you. And, it, means, uh, it means a lot to me. I tell you. Oh man, you man, know. it's uh, right back at you, man. All right, all right. Well, uh, Nikki, uh, as always on the Troubled Men podcast, we like to say trouble never ends. But the struggle continues, Nikki. There so you go. Take care of yourself. I will. I Good will. night. Good night. Good night.